Hello, and thanks for listening to Theory Lab, the American Cancer Society's research podcast. I'm Joe Cotter. Uh, in this episode, we spoke with a physician scientist. He sees patients and conducts research. He's got appointments at Texas Children's Hospital and Baylor College of Medicine, where he's director of the Liver Tumor Program and assistant professor in the Department of Pediatrics. I'm talking about Dr. Andres Hexi. And because he's a physician scientist, in his work he's got a clinical mentor, that's Dr. Malcolm Brenner, and a research mentor, Dr. Leonid Medelitsa. Uh, Dr. Hexi's research focuses on developing novel treatments for children with solid tumors by redirecting the immune system to attack cancer cells. Heady stuff, Susanna. So why, what's so great about his work? Why would you want to talk with Dr. Hexi? Hey, Joe. I was so excited to talk to... Andras, because he's just one of those clinician scientists who is so excited about the fundamental biology of his work and then sees the big picture and translational application of his science all the way through to clinical trial. It was fascinating to hear his take on that process the progress that they've made. And then one thing I really loved, which I thought was so interesting about him, is that his work began in neuroblastoma and now has moved to another pediatric cancer. He's also focused in liver cancer, but taking much of kind of the fundamental science that drove and initiated his career and moving into a, another really scary pediatric cancer. So hats off to him and his team. They are doing some amazing work and you can hear the excitement in his voice and his thoughtful considerations about just how terrible these diseases are. But some real light at the end of the tunnel and um, really fantastic work um, that he's doing and some great future directions. So I think you'll really enjoy hearing from him. Thanks, Susanna. And with that, let's get into your talk with Dr. Hexi. Hey, Andras, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We're really excited to hear from you. It It is my pleasure. (laughs) <laughs> Wonderful. We're, we're glad to have you, and we're awfully glad to have you as an ACS um, grantee. So I want to just start off by kind of focusing on a concept that lots of people have heard about, but not everyone probably is incredibly familiar with, and that is that your research focuses on directing the immune system to attack cancer cells, and in the case of what you do, specifically pediatric cancers. So one of the things we'd like to know is what led you to this line of research? This is a challenging area to be in. Yeah, so this is in, this is an interesting uh, story. It goes all the way back to uh, residency. So I, I was, you know, just doing my rotations uh, during general pediatrics residency and and was already very much interested in, in, in pediatric uh, cancer. I, I was not sure what uh, type of cancer research I would be doing. And I came across a, an article that showed the, for the first time, uh, skin cancer patients, melanoma cancer patients being cured with genetically engineered T cells back then. And I just thought that this is the coolest thing on earth and, and thought that this would be an amazing you know, future uh, direction for research. 
research. And, and back then I, I asked Donald Cohn, who was working at the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, to see if I could rotate through his laboratory and um, basically had a glimpse of how to pipette. But uh, it didn't scare me off. And so later on, I joined the fellowship program here at Texas Children's with the goal of, of uh, focusing on these cell therapies for cancer. And, and you know, obviously, I was really, really uh, blown away by the technology that, that we can actually train these special white blood cells that then can recognize and eliminate cancer cells and, and prevent them from potentially ever coming back. Well, I'm awfully glad that the pipetting didn't scare you off. Um, <laughs> you've yeah. been incredibly accomplished, but maybe we'll start with kind of one of the the big hallmarks, I think, thus far of your career, and that's that you were the first to show that uh, a certain type of white blood cell, so these natural killer T cells, that you could use them once modified to actually attack neuroblastoma cells, which is just amazing. So... Can, can you tell us a little bit about what these cells are called, NKT cells? So what are they and how, do, how actually do you alter them to recognize cancer? Yeah, so these natural killer T cells or NKT cells for short are innate lymphocytes. So a special type of white blood cells that are present in all of us from the time of um, the neonatal period. And they long live cells and are or have different, you know, diverse role in immune regulation. And, um, you know, my mentor, Leonid Metalitsa's um, work, you know, showed that their presence in neuroblastoma tissues is actually associated with better outcome of those patients. And it turns out that these NKT cells don't directly attack neuroblastomas cells, they actually attack another white blood cell, tumor-associated macrophages inside the tumor tissues, and, and indirectly control neuroblastoma growth. So these tumor-associated macrophages, or, or TAMs for short, um, are important for bringing in new blood vessels into the tumor tissue and keeping the immune system as a whole at bay, not to recognize the cancer cells, the neuroblastoma cells. So NKTs can specifically recognize and, and attack these and thereby, you know, uh, kind of opening up the door for uh, other mechanisms to uh, directly attack, attack neuroblastoma. And so our question was, well, what kind of strategy can we have to maintain this indirect attack on neuroblastoma through the through the tumor-associated macrophages while directly targeting neuroblasts themselves. And this is where genetic engineering using chimeric antigen receptors came into the picture. And so um, after joining uh, Leonid Metalitsa's lab, we tested several chimeric antigen receptors that target GD2, an antigen that's expressed on, on neuroblastoma. And, and we selected the first uh, the, selected the best receptor for for further development, and in the in in the process, we obviously you know had to learn how to expand the cells uh, to large scale for clinical applications, and how to effectively genetically modify them so that that they can express these receptors at a high uh, uh, frequency and and uh, um, and maintain their ability to function and and expand. So it. You spoke a little bit about how you 
developed this strategy at the bench is what we would say of mm -hmm. which cells to study, why you were going to study them, using neuroblastoma as a model, and then determining how to alter these NK T cells. So one of the places that a lot of times that developmental research is lost is actually moving to bedside, and that's a place you've been really successful. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about the ongoing clinical trial that you have. Yes. So, uh, you know, being a, a, a clinician and, and uh, Leonid also, you know, having uh, worked um, uh, before becoming fully uh, laboratory researchers, we always uh, wanted to make sure that uh, the, the strategy that we develop can make it to the clinic and potentially benefit patients. So we, we um, uh, focused on developing a clinical trial that can use genetically engineered NKT cells in patients with relapsed and refractory neuroblastoma. And the GenoKit2 trial opened up last uh, summer, finally, for enrollment of these patients. And uh, we've fortun been fortunate to already manufacture three products, and two patients have already received these infusions. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. I'm sure you guys must be extraordinarily excited. Yes, we are really, really thrilled, and, and some of the results make us, um, you know, even more uh, encouraged to continue this path uh, forward. So I know you can't share a ton about those results because they are preliminary, but is there something that you could tell us about what you're seeing that makes you optimistic, or maybe what are your hopes for the future directions that you'll be able to take? Sure. So, um, you know what? What we've seen, and obviously this is just only two patients, is that uh, these infusions are well tolerated and safe. So the, the 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 patients did quite well. All of the procedures were done outpatient and and without any uh, significant toxicities. So that is obviously reassuring because this study at the end is still the first um, clinical trial testing uh, a pure NKT cell product through with gen genetic modification the genetic modification in, in, in humans. The uh, Obviously, the other aspects that we are very much interested in is knowing what happens to these NKT cells. And in these first two patients, we were able to demonstrate that they do expand um, up until at least three weeks, and they can penetrate tumor tissues and also uh, be picked up in, in the bone marrow uh, samples as well. So that is encouraging because obviously if the, if the, if the, car NKT cells after infusion would just disappear quickly and would not be trafficking to tumor sites or other tissues of, uh, of metastatic disease, that would not be um, likely to help with, with the efficacy of this strategy. And um, we do have now some, some evidence of anti-tumor activity in these two patients. Um, at least in one of them, we, we had a really significant objective response. So that that is, uh, you know, very very encouraging and and certainly promising uh, for moving forward. And and uh, we'll have to see how this holds up um, after enrolling uh, several more patients. Well, fingers crossed. It sounds like these cells are where they're supposed to be, and hopefully they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. So um, we'll look forward to hearing much more about that in the coming months. Um, yeah. 
you know, before I let you go, I wanted to also ask you some questions about, I know you, you have significant expertise in relapsed and refractory pediatric liver cancer as well. And I'd love to hear about your, as far as I know, the first um, trial of using an immunotherapy in liver tumors in pediatric patients. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. So this is another really exciting uh, avenue that um, my lab is now taking. Um, you know, pediatric liver tumors are rare, um, as opposed to adults, where you know now adult hepatocellular carcinoma is the uh, fourth leading cause of cancer-related deaths. Pediatric livers, liver cancers are are not that common, uh, but nevertheless, it is really important to develop newer te- newer um, therapies for these patients, as as for any family that we meet you, using drugs that were developed several decades ago and and uh, have short and significant short and long term toxicities. Are uh, obviously it's not something that we should be satisfied with, and we need to find better and safer therapies. So our laboratory became interested in targeting glycan 3 which is an antigen uh, overexpressed in liver cancer. And we designed several glycan 3 specific chimeric antigen receptors, first to um, identify the best co-stimulatory endodomains, uh, which would enable T-cells to expand and have the most anti-tumor properties in preclinical models. We were fortunate to identify the receptor for further clinical development. And now as part of a larger uh, multi-investigator research award, we were able to translate this uh, finding into a phase one clinical trial enrolling patients with relapse and refractory liver cancers. And the study is open now for for children. And and I believe to my best knowledge that this is the CAR T cell based immunotherapy for kids with liver cancers. So you've got a lot going on, <laughs> right? You're in the lab and seeing patients and interacting with their families and obviously putting a tremendous amount of work into these clinical trials. It may be hard for you to, to choose, but I'd love to know, you know what what's the most rewarding part of your job? Well, you know, I'm a clinician, so at the end, um, you know, going back to clinic and helping patients is is still what drives everything else. I I only have a half day of clinic nowadays, and um, it's always a question whether to keep it or or not. Um, but thus far, it, you know, that is the most motivating factor. And then going back, meeting with uh, my my team in the lab and and trying to move things to the clinic is is perhaps what what uh, still the most rewarding. At, at the end, you know, as a clinic clinician, I really want to um, be able to work with my team and and develop newer strategies, and then try to make sure that it gets to the clinic and and patients benefit from it. So you may have already answered, but. It's always interesting to know what's the most challenging part. Is it that progression to patient impact, or is there another piece of what you do that's kind of what keeps you up at night? I think you know the daily 
the the big picture is is obviously clear, but the, as we get closer to the daily struggles, there can be um, you know always problems that need to be solved, and I, and I think research is more about problem solving than um, than anything else. As we are moving things toward um, you know clinical testing, there are always barriers. There are always essays not working in the lab or ideas that were just not correct and so so that can be that is probably challenging but at the same time you know slowly but surely we can move ahead and and as long as every day as uh, we moved a little bit closer to the, the the main objectives it is it is still worth you know uh working for you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting about your work is how responsive donors are to what you do. So as you're no doubt aware, the ACS is a nonprofit and every single dollar that goes to your research or any other investigators that we fund comes from a donor. And we're grateful for all those donations from, you know, the dollars Absolutely. to the millions. So you were partially funded by a really cool initiative and that was the Today Show Shine a Light campaign back in 2015. I, the reason I thought it was particularly innovative, it was a CrowdRise campaign and raised um, just over $530,000. So if you had an opportunity to say something to those folks who contributed, whether they contributed a dollar or a thousand or, or more, is there something that you'd like to share? Well, absolutely. So, you know, without their help, you know, certainly what, what we just discussed about um, the GNOK2 trial and patients, you know, having the opportunity to, to, to try this new uh, strategy for, for particularly for neuroblastoma may not be there. And, uh, you know, children need these new innovative therapies and, and uh, we can certainly rely on federal funding, but advocacy groups parent uh, groups and and you know other nonprofit organizations that come together and try to support um, research programs you know you know through the ACS of course um, is is incredibly meaningful and and uh, I think it's certainly has a huge impact on how pediatric cancer research is evolving in the United States so in that's the long answer. Of course, the short short answer is you know that we really really appreciate it and we thank them for for every single um, um, do dollar donated toward this cause. So one last question, if and this one's the probably the hardest, but if you had an opportunity just to using this platform to share one message with pediatric cancer patients and their families and the folks that love them, what would you say? So I think in the in the last couple of uh, years, we've really seen a huge development in immunotherapies. And this is a, a really novel area of research because it captures the patient's own immune system that is geared to fight cancer and infections. And now with these newer uh, genetic engineering strategies and other um, strategies, we can now redirect the immune system effectively to eliminate and cure cancer cells. What's going to be really interesting is how we optimize and, and develop these approaches, these new immunotherapy approaches moving forward. 
right now for each patient, for example, who receives cell therapy in most clinical studies and, and especially in the FDA approved products, the, we, we manufacture the product particularly for the patient. But can we actually have an off-shelf approach is probably the next step. And then later on, I think ultimately in the next couple of decades, we will try to engineer the cells and train them inside the human body without any outside manipulation, which will provide an incredible opportunity to really change the way um, we treat cancer patients. And so I think there is really a hope now and you know, now a, a, a path for, forward where you know, tumor immunotherapy can really take over kind of conventional chemotherapy that, that had some successes, but obviously is not good enough. So I'm really, really excited about the next couple of years to as we are moving forward with these newer immunotherapy strategies. Well, Andras, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And you could not have said it better. Children need these new innovative therapies. And we are um, at the ACS just so thrilled that you're there doing this, some absolutely outstanding research. So best of luck and we'll be in touch soon, okay? Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk. And of course, we are really, really um, appreciative of all the support from the ACS and from the donors. All right. Thanks. You take care, okay? Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.